Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. I'm very grateful to Dr. Bishop, Dr. Marion Bishop, who works as an ER doctor here in the state of Utah, uh, for all the time that she has shared with us over this past year, uh, looking back into the early parts of 2020 when COVID really showed up at our door uh, and pounded it down and barged its way into our lives. Uh, well, you see, things change pretty dramatically for healthcare professionals. The protocols, the approaches, the tactics employed, uh, it's all new. And they have uh, undergone uh, incredible stresses and they have accomplished Herculean tasks. And they, you know, when you see someone at the grocery store uh, or at the gas station, uh, you know, sometime late at night or at the end of the day, and there's someone there wearing their their hospital scrubs, uh, you know, maybe, you know, similar to the way we do when we see folks uh, in uniform, when we see that camouflage, when we see the name tapes across the chest, maybe we include those wearing scrubs to the list of folks who we take a moment to say, hey, thank you for uh, your service. Thank you for uh, your service. I uh, place those folks uh, up there at that level now in terms of my uh, regard and revere and my thanks. Uh, anyway, I, I say that uh, simply as, a, as, a, as an introduction uh, to someone who I feel fits exactly in that category, and that's Dr. Marion Bishop, who has shared with us her experience this past year and joins us again on the line now. Dr. Bishop, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, and thank you for being so generous. That's quite a kind account of the last year. Thank you. Let's talk about this past year. Uh, I know it's a difficult question to ask, but if you could uh, just nail down one thing that most surprised you about this past year uh, as you have worked, uh, you know, I'm sure nearly daily in the emergency room as a doctor, what, what, what's changed for you? What, what surprised you? Oh, for heaven's sakes. I don't know if there's one thing, and... It's probably not so so much surprise because I I think most of us anticipated how difficult it was going to be and it truly was but it was just such a revelation and um I have so much gratitude for all of the people who came together to figure out how to take care of these very sick patients in the hospital you know the the maybe the surprise was just the delight in the synchronicity with which it all came together you know we were all up for the task but you know, seeing how the science kind of mingled with what we were learning on the ground and how people in different parts of the country, you know, ER doctors in different parts of the country shared what they were learning and just this kind of huge collaboration around how to take care of people uh, as we face this really new challenge. Do you believe that the, the adjusted tactics or the, you know, the changes to the ways business is done in emergency rooms and other healthcare settings do you think that some of those adjustments uh, will return to the way they were pre-COVID, or are there new protocols in place that are here to stay? I think for a long time they will be here to stay. It's going to be probably years before I can imagine treating people without 
as, as a physician without me wearing some kind of protective equipment. So many uh, frontline workers were uh, got sick early on from people who were asymptomatic that, you know, it's hard for me to sew up a laceration or do anything minor without wearing some kind of protection. And that's really true for every physician everywhere and, you know, nursing staff and respiratory therapists as well. And perhaps that's a little bit of a surprise is, you know, I never imagined reducing a dislocated shoulder wearing personal protective equipment, Mm. for example. You know, I I knew I would have to do that taking care of COVID patients, but it took a while to realize that 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 extended to all the patients we took care of. Something just occurred to me. One of the one of the first conversations that you and I had on this program, you described uh, for the audience the the ritual through which you go at the end of each shift. Uh, you know, changing your clothes uh, in the garage, keeping it safe, uh, taking a shower, and then and only then uh, hugging your family there at home. Uh, do, do you have? Does that ritual remain, or at least that though that personal protocol remain, or have? Uh, have you been able to relax that a bit as uh, at least the numbers from from my vantage point seem to be seem to be uh, on the mend? Yeah, yes. Um, so I have had both doses of the Moderna vaccine and that brought me incredible peace of mind. I don't feel quite so panicked about bringing the illness home. That being said, I still change my clothes in the garage and shower before I hug my children. Mm. I just as a as a mom, I, it's uh, I just would feel terrible if I brought the disease home. How has it been as a mom? Not to get too personal, but uh, but you have an incredibly important job to take care of at the workplace, and then uh, when you're home, you have an equally important job to take care of keeping those youngsters safe. Well, thank you. And that's one of the reasons that, like, your kind words at the beginning of the segment meant so much to me, because every healthcare worker has a family, and most of us are incredibly proud to do the work we do, and we work together in teams of people that we feel very loyal to, but we also feel responsibility to our families at home. And, you know, taking care of my children, um, protecting them, doing my best to protect them, from what I see in the hospital, which is the very worst parts of what COVID can do, has has been painstaking and sometimes heartbreaking. I think that their pandemic experience may have been easier if their mother wasn't an ER doctor. Do, do you have conversations about what you see at work? Do, do, do you bring some of that home to teach them lessons or at least have conversation? I've, I've had to sometimes because sometimes they've you know, have friends whose families have different experiences and they've just said, well, you know, mom, is this even real? And I've had to say, you know, I respect that so-and-so's parents see things differently, but here's what I'm seeing in the hospital and here's how that translates into what we have to take care, you know, how we have to take care of our family. It's, It's hard to see people die or see people struggle to be alive and not have that make you a little bit cautious about how you take care of your own kids. Sure, sure. That makes sense to me. Uh, I, I mentioned <laughs> uh, I mentioned a moment ago a moment ago that we are seeing, at least from you know my vantage point, we are seeing uh, a decline in, in case numbers, in hospitalizations, uh, in lives being lost due to this COVID-19 virus. Are you seeing uh, are, are you seeing co- corresponding easing of the impact of this virus in the emergency room? Yes, and that's been a big relief. And I I think it's a combination of the vaccine starting, of um, the warmer days, of all the wonderful, you know, social distancing and mask wearing and care that people have been taking. Um, And it has translated. It's not translated into fewer deaths yet because 
that usually lags by a few weeks to months. But I am seeing fewer COVID patients when I go to work, and that makes me very happy. Any lingering concerns, any advice you'd give to folks that we're not out of the woods quite yet? No, and I, I think really right now it's kind of a race between the vaccines and variants that are kind of growing in other parts of the world. And if we can get a big core of people here vaccinated, it will really protect us against some of these variants. Even if the vaccine's not 100 percent, it can blunt the blow and help keep people out of the hospital. Mm. Uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Marion Bishop, an ER doctor here in the state of Utah, who has been very generous with her time. And I'm always sensitive to that because I know when you're here on the air with us, uh, that means uh, very precious minutes where you are not able to uh, you know, be working as an ER doctor. But the information you share and the experiences you share uh, have given us such a valuable insight into your experience and the experience of others who operate in this emergency room setting where uh, you know, COVID has reared its head as well. Dr. Bishop, uh, as always, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your service. And thank you for the information and the stories you bring to this program. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for thanks for being interested in the work that's happening in hospitals. We all appreciate it. 100%. Thanks again. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a moment. Before we get there, though, uh, let me just prime the pump. In a moment, when we come back after the newscast, we are going to look at the experience of the Boy Scouts of America right now. There's a, a lawsuit that uh, is class action in status and has resulted in some uh, very heavy financial liabilities uh, for the Boy Scouts. They need to pay some penalties. And money's hard to come by these these days, especially if you're the Boy Scouts of America. Where have they found that? Well, they're dipping into a collection of Norman Rockwell art. Rockwell himself gave dozens and dozens of paintings to the Boy Scouts. Those assets now have value. Boy Scouts are looking to sell. We'll walk through those details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.